Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsuk, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? It's going okay this week. How are you? Well, as you can tell by my delightful lower register today, I'm a little under the weather. I've been sick most of this week. I've been like dosing up and then like sleeping and then going to teach all night and then uh, sapping energy from my students like a like an energy vampire and then getting home and being exhausted and dosing up and then waking up the next day and going like, should I cancel lessons? Maybe. Wait, they all have auditions next week, and they all want extra lessons, and they're all freaking out, so I don't think I can cancel. So that's been my week. But fortunately for me, I guess, uh, there's been very little TV, so I'm not behind. Ah, it's exciting. That is exciting. I mean, I'm, 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 we're behind on making it. We haven't discussed making it in a while. Oh, but I'm not um, behind on seeing it, though. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm behind on a bunch of anime, but that's because I've been having to watch, like, depressing HBO television all week. You know. <sighs> yeah, yeah. How's that going, by the way? Uh, it's going really well. Um, I'm, like, four episodes into season two of The Leftovers. Uh-huh. Um, no, three episodes. Three episodes. I haven't okay. started episode four yet. So I've just gotten to um, Tom and Lori's episode in season two. Uh-huh. And... Uh-huh. When does Tom get interesting is what I really would like to know, because I'm not feeling it. Yeah, well, it's like, I, I like how it, we'll talk about this next week when we do our, when we do the, um, the make you watch them. But, um, yeah, it's like, what, let's do the leftovers. And now season two, let's be the leftovers, but better. And now there's Regina King. It's just like, yeah, everything. we don't deserve Regina King ever in anything. But then but. just like a next level better. Um, so I look forward to your, your thoughts uh, next week when we do our Mickey Watchathon, um, this week we will we will be doing our uh, fall TV preview, and uh, I have very limited screener access. Basically, I get NBC screeners. That's it, and yeah. so I've seen some of those, and I can talk about those briefly. A couple of them, yeah. uh, Noel. You get screeners to most of the networks, but you can't talk about most of them. Right, I can't talk about NB. I can't talk about ABC and CBS. Yeah, because. Um, we're for reasons that we'll get into, yeah. but I can't talk about those, even though I've watched them. Yeah. So all my opinions are redacted, I'm afraid. But I can tell you all about the CW's uh, two things that they put up screeners for, because Legacies doesn't have a screener yet, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to you being able to actually just tell me what the ABC and CBS shows are about, like yeah. what the plot synopsis is, and then not yeah. being allowed to have an opinion about it, and then I can have an opinion without having seen it. <laughs> yep. And you can I make. Can tell- Knowing glances towards the camera, and then the listeners won't know what you think, but I will, and it'll be funny to me. Probably yeah. our listeners won't enjoy it, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it'll be fun. It'll it'll be it'll be it'll be a gas. It'll be a laugh. Um, this week there's a little bit of TV news. Uh, it, this seems like it was a bit of a surprise, kind of out of nowhere. Emmy Rossum is leaving Shameless, and it seemed like with the timing and such, this was not an expected thing. Yeah, it didn't seem super expected, and she's she's leaving at the end of the season that's about to start, which is season nine, by the way. And I'm just sort of like, thank goodness. <laughs> um, I'm really glad that she she's decided to leave in part because she's really terrific, uh, and I'm ready for her to do other things that I'm interested in watching. <laughs> 
is what that comes down to. So I'm, I'm glad she finally decided to leave. And that hopefully, knock on wood, she's going to start doing some other projects. It's like the one thing I know about Shameless is that everybody says Emmy Rossin's amazing on it. And yeah. The Galliers are terrible. Those are the two things I know about the show. Yeah. No. And William H. Macy just kept getting nominated for it for unclear reasons. We'll see what happens next for her. Um, Miss Sherlock is is going to be uh, premiering this weekend, which is a live action, gender bent, gen- Japanese reimagining of Sherlock Holmes. And it's a co-production between HBO and Hulu. And that's going to be yeah. on HBO Go. Yes. So, not on Hulu? No, not on Hulu. It aired on Hulu in Japan. <laughs> okay, so Hulu in Japan, but HBO here. Yes. Um, I have not heard of this at all. This is the first time I was, I've heard of this, just looking at our notes here. Um, yeah. Do you know anything about this besides it's debuting tomorrow? Yeah, no, I know very little about it, but I'm intrigued by the whole concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm interested in checking it out. Uh, the lead for it, um, I don't have the page in front of me, the lead for it uh, appeared on Flash Forward. 10 years ago. <laughs> um, so, which is when I was talking about it with a friend of the show, Corey Barker, he was just like, that's where I know her from. Um, <clears throat> Corey was like the only one who watched Flash Forward. I watched um, Flash Forward, unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm interested in checking this out. For me, this feels like a really obvious uh, gambit on HBO's part in an attempt to compete with Netflix's diverse international um, offerings, which are very deep in a lot of cases, especially when it comes to Japanese television. And so this feels like a real sort of attempt to try and capture some of that audience. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I'm probably going to check out an episode and see how it goes uh, because I like Sherlock. I like gender-bent concepts. And I mean, the Watson is named Watto. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what more you want from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll check it out, certainly. I mean, I'm caught up on my other viewing. And yep. uh, I'm sick, so I'm not going to be moving very much. So maybe no. this is the thing I can do. We'll see. Um, also, TV news this week: Mr. Robot is ending with season four, uh, which I heard that and was like, "Yeah, that seems about right. Sounds about right." Um, and you know, a bunch of very talented actors uh, and and creative team. But for me, it really did not come together into more. It felt like uh, after season one, it's like. Eh, there there and then in season two it felt very much like oh no just the style not enough substance at least for me i know some people really love the show um so i wasn't surprised and it feels like the critical wave that they were riding at the early part of the show was very much petered out so i wasn't surprised that it that it seems that it's ending now right no this thing went from major emmy contender to nobody cares yeah um really Really quick Really quickly, and I again, I don't know what happened in season three, uh, which I didn't watch any of, um, but I remember no one talking about it in season three, and I remember the conversation around season two since it was the follow up, and I agreed to watch it, and it was very miserable. The I told time. you to stop watching it. <laughs> I know you did so many but, times. <laughs> I know you did, but then I wouldn't have gotten to complain about that sitcom episode, and I really wanted to complain about that sitcom episode. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, and season four hasn't even, like, started shooting yet. They start in, like, January. Uh, so this is basically, like, they're shooting their final season, and it hasn't even dropped yet. And I think it's just, uh, USA's a mess, Kate. I don't think they know quite what they're doing, because they've canceled Shooter and, um, Colony after three seasons each, to which I promptly went, 
shooter got three seasons. Taken couldn't even get three seasons. And then they have the suits, and then the suits spin off. It's coming out, and then a couple of other like kind of random shows in development. I think, and I just go, I don't know what's quite happening there. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's very strange for me to see Catherine Heigl is on Suits now. Yeah, right. Yeah, very yeah. strange. Anyways, yeah. well, they've got the Perch Television series starting next week. My person is very excited. Yeah, people seem pretty stoked about that. Yeah, yeah. I saw the reviews drop this week, but I didn't read uh, today actually. But I didn't read any yet, so I should do that. Yeah, me too. But she made she made me set the DVR to record it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, our last bit of news here is that along with like everyone else, uh, Alex Hirsch now has a deal at Netflix, and of course that's exciting for us because we love Gravity Falls. So, mm-hmm. um, do you know more about this? Will Will he be doing more like animation or like family or children's programming, or is this just like an overall deal? I think it's probably intended for family animation programming, mm-hmm. um, since they're really looking to bolster that. Uh, and understandably so. Uh, they've had success with Voltron, obviously, as well as um, the um, Trolls and Train Your Dragon, excuse me, programming. So looking to bolster that is probably really key to their programming. Plus, you got to help those kids while they're young. <laughs> um, get them before they start just watching the YouTubes. Yep. And yeah. Um, so I mean, I'm excited. Alex Hirsch is terrific. Um, like you said, so I'm eager to see what he does and also would be eager to watch a show of his that airs on a regular basis in a timely fashion. That would be such a massive change of pace from Gravity Falls. (laughs) (laughs) It was one of the most entertaining things for me about, uh, introducing, you know, our lovely friends over at, uh, TV party currently on hiatus, uh, Alison Schumacher and Clint Worthington to Steven Universe, uh, where Allison said, uh, so this show is amazing and apparently just like goes away for who knows how long all the time. Is that a th- I'm like, yes, that's what it does. And it's frustrating, isn't it? Welcome to the world of animation in a lot of cases, uh, yeah. especially with kids programming where they're just like, kids don't mind. And it's just like, that's true to an extent, but at the same time. <laughs> I care. I care so much. Yeah. Um, speaking of animation, uh, the Adventure Time finale is airing this weekend as we record. It's very good, everyone. We'll be talking about it next week. But I was able to interview the showrunner, Adam Muto, for TVGuide.com, uh, which was really cool. And so I got to watch the finale, the four-part finale, and it's, like, it's very good. Um and then I had to think about how I could structure my questions so they wouldn't be spoilery. And so I was very, very happy with myself for how I did that. And then Adamudo answered almost every question with spoilers. But then I, the extent to which I found out when I inquired as to which things were we not supposed to publish. And I'm like, oh, okay. And the, Literally all of it. Yeah, and the, 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 uh, the, Lovely person for Cartoon Network is like, I, I, you know, I didn't really hear anything. Maybe like this one thing, but I'll send you the little, little card, the note thing we have about it. And I'm like, okay, tick, tick, tick. A lot of things. A lot of these things. So uh, you can read that interview now, but they're going to update it with all the spoilery stuff that we talked about. Um, act that 
accidentally almost, you know, I didn't try to talk about that. So it's not like there's deep dives into spoilers because I was trying to avoid them. Um, but that's going to get updated uh, after the finale air. So Monday night, Tuesday morning, you guys can check that out. That was really cool. Um, so I thought I would mention it. And I'm very excited to talk about Adventure Time next week. And I'm going I to miss too. it. Yeah, I'm going to miss it too. I'm excited though. I'm excited to see it. I'm so, I feel sort of emotionally prepared given like the weird long break that we had. Yeah. And I kind of came to terms with it. Um, and Mudo sort of discussed this as well of like, everyone's sort of just waiting for it to air so we can be feel done mm-hmm. in your interview. Particularly, he'd mentioned the storyboarders who were just like, it's always in the back of their heads until it airs. Um, so I feel prepared for it in a way. So, and reading your review sort of helped this review, your interview with him has sort of helped as well. Yeah. And I don't want to overhype it for people. It's not like it's going to explode your brain, but it just felt very adventure time. It was very, it was very, it was very apt from like the first moments. I was like, that's what they're doing at the beginning of the finale. That's awesome. This is adventure time. Mm-hmm. Anyways, more next week. For now, we have some acapella to listen to. So we're going to take a break and listen to a little uh, acapella moment from Wrecked this week. And we'll be right back with our Week in TV. from a rose it's one of my favorite songs it's so good (laughs) (laughs) that was kiss from a rose uh sung by todd and the other castaways or whatever from wrecked this week which was delightful um more on that in a moment first in our weekend tv i'm going to talk about the younger finale lizability and the season as a whole then we'll go over to wreck a game of chest (laughs) we'll talk a little bit about so you think you can dance which is down to its top six top four at this point um and then the sinner part five we'll move over to elementary the visions of norman p horowitz which is such a sherlock holmes like title i actually really dig that title Mm -hmm. um and then round things out with winona earp if we make it through december so first up is the younger finale liability and noel they went they went and did a the graduate ending this season and it's just so tiresome to me because it's so clear that they had set up Liza and Charles as OTP, and then they kept getting renewed. <laughs> so they get them together this season, and then they break them apart. But just because uh, she does, like they don't, she doesn't want to be like secret side girl, you know. And so then they work it out so they can be together. And then they end it with this, like, this sense of, oh, but do they really have a connection or is it just, like, well, does it seem exciting and everything now, but as soon as they can actually be real, be a real relationship, then it's not gonna actually work and it's just all fantasy, right? But they did too good of a job establishing their connection. Right, I was about to say. <laughs> exactly. Over the course of the show that I don't buy for a second that they wouldn't be an excellent couple 
mm-hmm. with the with everything else, like all the the difficulties taken away. Um, so that that ending really didn't work for me. Um, and and it also pretty much dooms the couple in the future. Like you can't. I don't think you can back away from that because that's the show telling you they don't work. They're yeah. This isn't gonna work, right? Uh, and I just don't. I think that's stupid because they have crazy chemistry and they're not going to introduce a new love interest. And they've established once again that uh, Josh, who's still around and still has a thing for Liza, still wants kids. And we know Liza doesn't want more kids. So, like, it doesn't, like, there's nothing you can do with that. Um, so it just seems very stupid. Just, like, these these very stupid um, just hiccups they keep trying to to put in their way because they refuse to like, just trust that there is a show there without the romantic tension. Right. And it's frustrating for me. Otherwise, uh, you know, they, they end things in an interesting place uh, with one exception. Guess who's back with a little Irish baby. It's oh, Claire. God. Or, or bun in the oven, shall we say. Uh, that's how they ended that part of the of the finale, uh, Maggie, after having this really interesting drama in the middle of the season where she, uh, gets back together with an ex that's, you know, and and it's, it's a really nice moment. They're like, Oh, the, the girlfriend wants kids, like definitely, definitely wants kids. And she doesn't. And this seems like something that they should already have known about. And now you're breaking them up again. Like why, why younger, why are you doing this? Trust you, let your characters age, let your characters figure stuff out, and move on to new difficulties. There are plenty of new difficulties you can come up with. Um, so it was a little apparently frustrating. Not. <laughs> well, apparently not. They don't, they, at least, again, they don't trust themselves to do that. And uh, it's it's frustrating because this is such a charismatic and talented cast. There's so much uh, potential. But as soon as they get into these ruts... Uh, it it just it gets very tiresome, and mm-hmm. instead of finding new and creative ways to dance out of things, they're finding very unbelievable ways to dance out of things. And uh, having like when you're five seasons in and you've committed very strongly to a love triangle, and then given an answer a responsible, mature adult answer to that love triangle of this one wants kids, this one doesn't want kids. And she, you know, the 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 person choosing between these two people doesn't want kids. Like they're like that's not hard. And any other solution, like you can't add a new prong and make it a square or whatever. <laughs> it doesn't work. And so to to then try to keep forcing drama into there instead of letting the drama be being a um, stepmom to two young kids or working in the same workplace with your uh with your partner or any of the other different things that they could do it just gets it's frustrating because there's so much potential in this cast and they've shown that um so yeah i I think there was you know i enjoyed the season it was still one of the first things i would watch is this you know souffle of a show and summer's perfect for it but um i still have yet to really live up to the potential that they showed briefly in the early part of season four um so they got there a couple of times in a couple of moments this season, but I, I kind of doubt that they're going to be able to recapture it in a meaningful way. And uh, that's a little sad. Tears. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have two words for you that solve everything. Two mm-hmm. words. Okay. 
Asif Manvi. <laughs> right? <laughs> they could absolutely bring Asif Manvi back, and, and there could be a lot more interesting drama happening yeah. with that character. Like, yeah. totally. And yeah. instead, they're, oh, God. Anyways. Yeah. It solves all your, I mean, Asif admittedly solves most problems, <laughs> but it definitely solves this problem. No, yes. I, I I totally feel you about this. It feels like a show that is just terror, is terrified of change. Yeah. And does not want to give up its premise in any way, shape, or form, even though it basically has. Because I feel, does the only person who doesn't know how old she is, the other woman in the office whose name I cannot remember? Diana. Yeah, the person that she's the assistant of? Yes. And everybody else in the office who's not a main character. And Zane, uh, the potential love interest for Hilary Duff, right, Uh, for Kelsey, is now no longer in the office and will be a more floating antagonist. They did a good stuff with with Zane and Kelsey this season, and he doesn't know. But, okay. uh, yeah. That, yes. They they did bring in Lauren, Laura, uh, Laura Benanti, who's about to start on Broadway, is uh, Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady. Very exciting. Um, but then they didn't have her sing. It's like, oh, come on. Sutton Foster and, and, and Laura Benanti TV together. That's fun. But, like, let them sing. That's not okay. I mean, trial by error found a gazillion ways to allow Kristen Chenoweth to sing. <laughs> arguably too many ways. Arguably. But I think arguably by design too many ways. Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, and of course, Benanti is, is incredibly charming and yeah. uh, and works very well on the show. And hopefully she'll be back in some capacity next season. But uh, but yeah, yeah. So there's things to like, but it you, you always want these shows to live up to like, what we know that they're capable of. And right. so far, I mean, I'm sure they're happy. They got renewed and lots of them, all the monies and everything. But, uh, but yeah, we'll see about next season. I'm still going to watch. Uh, let's move on to wrecked and <laughs> a game of chest. And I just, the, this, this, the scene that gives the episode its title is just so, so funny as, uh, what's his name? Declan, the, mm-hmm. the villain of the piece is trying to be all, um, super villainy and and just Reese Darby is just his character. Steve is just so stupid. It just won't. It can't let him. It, it was a very funny scene. My my horsey guy. He moves really fast. Right. The the knight. Yes, the knight. What about what about the castle guy? The rook. Yeah, they can't move. They're stone. <laughs> They're stone. Stone doesn't move. It can't be the queen. It doesn't have any breasts. I'm trying <laughs> to do a metaphor about how I think you can win this, and it's just it's delicious. It's very good. And Restarby just never breaks mm-hmm. at any point. Like there's 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 a lack of like awareness about the performance that just makes has made Steve really consistently interesting on the show. But in this case, it's just it's really good, and you can see Declan just getting increasingly frustrated with it, which in any other type of character would be seen as. Declan getting played, except he's not getting played. <laughs> it Steve's literally that much of adult, and mm-hmm. so it's really delightful to watch that. And those scenes co- sort of helped carry the generally pretty um, run-of-the-mill sort of amnesia stuff that we got between Todd and um, Mina Hess's characters. What I have to say because I can't remember her name. Jess. Jess. Yes. Yeah. Um, because that was all sort of fine. I mean, it comes together really nicely with the, uh, the, uh, Kiss from a Rose acapella performance, which 
I really appreciate just on the level of Owen just standing there, not singing and not even sort of like swaying to the music. He's just refusing to engage in this. <laughs> so put out by everything that's going on around him by not being chosen as the smart one leader of the group. And also that they're trying to jog her memory with a kiss from a rose. Um, but the entire thing is generally, it works, it builds to that moment really nicely. So that, that works, that worked out well enough for me. Um, so that, that, that was fine. I do, I'm ready for them to get out of the cage and start doing other stuff. And I'm the build to that. I'm like, I'm ready for them to start running basically. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, they've, you know, we're at episode five this next week, just about the halfway point. And that seems like that's a good pacing. They've, they've built it up in the right way so that we can have several episodes of, you know, the standard wrecked zaniness and then where they fracture and then they'll come back together and, you know, like they seem like they're on on point for their season, but you're right. It's time to get things moving. Um, And yeah, it it was, I agree that the amnesia stuff was uh, less than exciting, but uh, the, the, I I didn't really care for the flashbacks, but it it was all worth it for the acapella seal. Right. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Um, Let's move on to our next, uh, our next episode, and that's So You Think You Can Dance, which is down to its final four. This week, it was the top six performing, and they each did one dance with an all-star and a dance with their partner and the, some group dances. And I just wanted to mention it. Uh, again, there were several very, very strong performances, but I find it very interesting. Um, there was this, There was a fabulous dance, a fabulous piece uh, choreographed by Travis Wall, um, that was sort of genderqueer and about uh, stereotypes in uh, identity, where they had uh, one of the male dancers uh, who is uh, who is uh, African American and uh, I believe he's queer. Uh, they haven't talked about it very much, sexually very much, but he is uh, more stereotypically like flamboyant, and I believe. On the show, he's, you know, they talked about identifying with it, with the piece, and Travis was talking about it, him relating to it at, from his coming out experience. So I think I'm not off my mark there. Um, or speaking out of turn, listeners, let me know. Um, but what they did is, so he starts and he's wearing a, uh, a corset and uh, a skirt and has makeup. And then the, the partner... Um, is conformity. And so the partner like wipes off his makeup and forces him into, uh, t- takes off the skirt and forces him into pants and the shirt. Um, and then, uh, and then at the end, there's a little bit of a turn. Um, but it was a really lovely piece and I couldn't help but feel like the, re- <laughs> and listeners will know I have my problems with Nigel, uh, and his bullshit homophobic, uh, remarks that come up all the time about male dancers not if they aren't stere like air quotes masculine enough for him to be a good dancer i guess uh he was over the moon for this and was talking about how how great a piece it was and how brave and how important and all these different things and i can't help but feel like the week uh that that they I'm going to say allow, but they put this piece on the show in a top six of three guys, three girls 
we get uh, our two, instead of going down to two guys, two girls, and keeping the gender parity for the next episode, for the finale, the way that they have every single week to this point, two of the guys got eliminated, and they were the two men of color, and at least one, I if not both of them, are queer. And so we have the straight guy, and we have the three girls, all very stereotypically feminine, who move on to the finale through America's votes. Oh, it's America's votes. The judges had nothing to do with it. But why are there two guys eliminated? Why was there no discussion of, for the finale, it can be anyone who's eliminated? They didn't even say anything like that. All of a sudden, just the two guys are eliminated. Probably the two best dancers, uh, you know, of the group. Were, were the ones that were eliminated. Um, that feels very suspect to me and uh, very frustrating. Um, and could it could be that that was the plan throughout and I just like missed some comment somewhere saying that that could be the case, that when it came down to the final four going into the finale, it would be regardless of gender who would make it all the way through. But it seems very strange to me that you've got... Clear judge's favorite Jensen, because her she's the younger sister of a former contestant, and she's also they're all very very good dancers. Don't get me wrong. Then you've got the showmance of Genesee and Slavic, and then you've got Hanalei, who's all, who's a very very talented dancer as well. Um, and then you've got the 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 two dancers of color, and again from Twitter, I believe both queer who are the, probably the strongest dancers overall, and both of them are the ones that get eliminated. Uh, it just it was very frustrating to watch in this week, and I'd, I would be curious if there are any other So You Think You Can Dance viewers out there, um, what you guys think of this, and if this smelled fishy to you too. But then again, maybe if they knew that they were going to eliminate them based on the votes because the other four just had so many more votes that they, they didn't have a shot in the finale, so why so they weren't going to put him through. Maybe that's why they let Travis give him this 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 choreography. They said, well, he's uh, he's gonna he's eliminated. We already know from the votes. We're not going to tell him until the end of the show. But he's eliminated, so do whatever you want. Maybe yeah. that's what happened. And if so, that's great. But it just seemed, uh, it was frustrating. But I would recommend everyone go ch- go seek out the piece. I thought it was very well danced, uh, if, if, well choreographed. Yes, it's on the nose. I saw some critiques online um, that it was just very blatant. But I don't care. I thought it was lovely. So I liked it. Um, yeah. I would ask what you think but, uh, about it, but you, you haven't been watching this season. So I don't expect you to have an opinion on it. But it, it is certainly... Um, Going, eliminating two every week and going from a top, like through auditions straight to a top 10. So 10, 8, 6, 4, right? It's just been so abrupt. Yeah, and, sure. And the top 10 was really strong, like really, really terrific dancers. So that if you feel like when you've been watching the season that you're getting cheated out of so many terrific dances that we just aren't seeing because they're whittling so quickly and it's because of the episode order that they were given by by Fox. Um that is just kinda it's hard to connect and it, it can be frustrating, but um at least we are getting the dances we are getting and uh the people, you know, who are in are very good. But I mean Slavic shouldn't be in the final four and the other these other people are out. I mean, that's just irritating. Um so we'll see what happens in the finale. I'm gonna watch the finale, but uh you know, love to 
our eliminated dancers this week. They're very, very good. Um, let's move on to The Sinner, part five. This season has been going along pretty well. This episode gives a little bit more context to try to get you on Carrie Coon's side, which I think is is good. Um, more kind of uh, disappointingly, for, like, expected, oh, secretly people in the town are, like, have connections to Mosswood and this, like, cultish thing here um, that they aren't telling people about. Oh, I wonder if one of the, the, char- the main character's uh, father and the other main character's old friend have connections that we don't know about that we'll find out about in the finale, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, so, so there's... You know, they're trying to bring us on board with Vera, and I think, I mean, obviously Kara Kuhn's very, very good. Pullman's very good, so it's not surprising that it is working. But, like, there, there's so much to... They've, they've really set us a big roadblock for themselves with this because of everything else that's been happening in this season. Um, and I just don't have as much patience for the style of the show and the pace of the show. Because I'm like, okay, I get it. I get what you're doing stylistically and everything here. But can we just speed this up? You know? Right. I I waded through the the this pacing and this structure last season and it was telling for character in moments of performance, but ultimately felt like stretching for to build anticipation for your reveals. And I don't have the patience for it this season. So this is certainly, um, I'll probably finish watching it just because I set a DVR, you know, for it. But yeah. it's also the kind of thing that I kind of want to let several weeks catch up and then just kind of like fast forward through the episode so I can skip through certain characters' scenes and like get to the some of the reveals that are likely coming and um yeah i just i want them to, to so like we get it let's i get the mood i get the you know the vibe you're going for here can we just move along i don't care about bill Bowman's backstory at all i know i'm supposed to but i don't so i care about marin a little bit a little bit cuz i like that actor uh i care about the kid a little bit i'm interested in Carrie Coon. so if we could just focus there that would be good so hopefully more on that. We'll, or hopefully I'll get more on that uh, in the next few episodes. And I'll, I'll chime in again probably at the end of the season, but likely not before. Um, speaking of, let's go to Elementary and the visions of Norman P. Horowitz. Um, or also, a.k.a. if Christian Burl shows up in the opening scenes, he probably did it. Especially if he shows up in the opening scene and then doesn't show up for quite a while. You know he's coming back because he did it. And they did, they did, but I thought that they, uh, they got to there in an entertaining enough way. Um, the, the solution was very, um, pay no attention to this rare Colombian flower or whatever it was. They wanted you to not really think about that, which I think they handled about as well as you're going to do. Um, but it, which also felt like a very Sherlock Holmes kind of answer, uh, and they just were like, yeah, this doesn't really make sense, but we're just going to brush right past it, because what matters is this other stuff. Um, and so I, th- I thought it was an entertaining episode. What, what did you think of this one? I really enjoyed it. Um, it's very silly in terms of the whole conceit of, well, my brother can predict the future deaths from his obituaries, and uh, you're next. And which is like the most delightful sort of way of like framing this. And like you said, it, it feels delightfully Holmesian, Doylen almost 
all the way down. And they've they've been relying a little bit on those obscure details like the flower a lot more this season, I feel like, which is really nice. Since they typically don't do that, um, their tendency to do it now has sort of been kind of welcomed because it allows Sherlock to kind of show off and it allows Joan to occasionally show off. But um, like with a number of the other things that they're doing this um, season with their cases, just the sheer sort of weirdness of the... All of existence is a simulacra in a techno- techno- technology, so we're all being programmed to do exactly what we're programmed to do. All this sort of stuff that grounds a lot of it, I think just makes, is what I've always really liked about really solid procedural work is that they're taking these things and providing spins, whether it's sex dolls or MRAs and that kind of stuff to like inform a number of different aspects of the cases this again just provides a fun little twist on things that drives the momentum forward. And then just to have it all be a massive scam in this case is just really, really good, I think, and really delightful. Um, the other thing uh, we should note, because we didn't, we didn't really talk about this, um, but Lucy Liu directed this episode as well as another episode in season in season 10. So she's directed to this to this to this year and johnny lee miller directed uncanny valley of the dolls which i didn't i forgot we forgot i think we didn't mention either yeah yeah yeah. and again like lou's eye is just really strong again i think in this episode uh there's just a really consistent visual aesthetic that i think she has um especially with the show but generally across even like her luke cage episode feels like a lucy lou episode of the television program, which I really appreciate that she's got sort of a signature approach, especially with her use of wide angle, um, wide angle shots. And I liked how they allow that and her eyes always really sharp. And I think that continues here. Yeah, no, it was, it was a stylish, uh, and fun episode, Mm -hmm. the pacing and, and everything, even just like the shots for the camera on the, on the roof. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and like the timing of that, and you know, like I thought that that was all done well, and yeah, I, I, you always have a better eye than I do for these directorial uh, flourishes and and the specificity of it. So I'm trying to learn from you. Uh, like, <laughs> I'm trying to get better at that, um, but I because I wouldn't have thought of that. But as soon as you said that she directed, it was like, oh, that makes sense with you know some of the things. So I'm going to try to see if I can get a better. Yeah, a more more on be more on top of some of those angles. Because you know me, I'm always like obsessing about the music and the right and colors I'm, and the costuming. But yeah. I'm very rarely pay enough attention to the music. So because I'm like, <laughs> that's oh, why that it's shot a good was really good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's fun. That's good. That's neat to know. And you know, I always appreciate these long running shows that give their their cast opportunities to direct and and to to. You know, that's part of why they keep doing the show, frankly, because they want yeah. other opportunities and, and this helps with that. So, yeah, it was a fun episode. And uh, how many are they doing this season? I think we're closing in on the end. I think they're doing like 20 to 21. Uh, yeah. Um. So we're almost done because, I mean, we're also approaching like the beginning of the fall television series and they're not airing in- as part of the fall season. Yeah. Well, so. and we get to the end of the episode. I'm like, they're bringing back the serial killer. Yeah, but on the... Uh, on the upside, he had just hasn't been around for most of the season. That's um, very upside. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, it's super upside. I mean, it also it did call attention to the fact that I'm annoyed by the fact that his post concussion syndrome 
was yes. remedied off screen very quickly when mm-hmm. that plot line was very, very promising. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's a discussion I think we can have once this season wraps up about the overall arc of it, but definitely a point in its favor is the fact that they just went, this serialized arc is just not going to do anything unless we just burn it off really quickly. So he's going to go away until Sherlock gets better. It's <laughs> sure. fine. Let's do it. <laughs> let's, let's do it. That works. That works. Okay. Well, our last episode in the week in TV is Winona Earp, if we make it through December. And, um, okay. There's a lot of fun in this episode, but mostly this is so stupid. The ending was so stupid. Ah, oh, I am. Have... Why don't you start? What did you think, Noel? Are you with me, or did you? Are you more positive on on this episode and how it ends? I mean, I'm I'm. It's I'm not deeply invested in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but you may also need to remind me how it ends. Does it just actually end with Doc being a total idiot, or am I missing a beat here? Oh, it it ends with. Yeah, it ends with yeah. like cutting from Winona hooking up with the fireman and yeah. Doc becoming a vampire. Oh, does he become like an actual vampire in that moment? Yes. Is that what that, that eye thing was supposed to be? Yeah. Okay. Doc's yeah. a vampire now and it's okay. stupid. Yeah, no, that is that is decidedly stupid. Um I mean, I wish I cared more, but mm-hmm. as you know, like Winona Earp is a show that I enjoy like generally sort of enjoy week to week but it's also not a thing that i'm like yeah winona earps back type of thing mm-hmm. and so their decision to have him to, like hook up with the firefighter it's just like wait are these guys still around didn't they all die <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> just and there's very little chemistry between those two actors mm-hmm. so the fact that they hooked up i just went this is also just seems like in a the kind of a vein of a younger type thing of yeah. like we've established that they're just kind of men for each other. So roadblocks. Yeah. And they're not interesting or compelling roadblocks, which is the larger problem. It's just yeah. like we dug up a vampire wife for Doc, and it's just like and Yeah. Type of thing. So it's fine. This entire thing, the entire like premise is is, is kind of silly. Um, with, um, Bolshar abducting all the first family type folks. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's fine. I'm, I was, I'm I'm glad Jeremy and his potential boyfriend are maybe going to have an actual date now and that Jeremy did not get ghosted. Yeah, but we know that his, he got like force fed some sort of juju that's gonna like make him, uh, like, I don't know, a secret like brawl or something yeah Yeah, Yeah, it's absolutely it's very stupid um i liked what we got from them but like (sighs) they're cutting corners that's in a way that's really frustrating because i think i i you know i totally buy the self-destructive choices we see winona making i think they're very in character and i think having her mom there to call them out works really well but I don't buy, for many reasons, uh, Doc becoming a vampire. And one of them is they have not established any sort of a meaningful connection with with uh, Doc and Contessa, or whatever her name is, the ex-wife. Yeah. Um, and they haven't put the time in, and they haven't really earned that. Also, he's got a baby. He is a child. And yeah. I don't 
like, he misses his immortality, certainly. But he also very much cares about baby Alice and has brought her up several times this season. So I don't buy him becoming a vampire just for how that can impact his ability, you know, with all these other things that are going on, especially with Balshar and all the vampires being enthralled to Balshar. Um, like, conflicting with his ability to, you know, go back to and raise and be with his child. So don't buy that. Certainly if they haven't established the relationship with the ex-wife. And also, just even that scene, I was watching that going like, wait, is she injured or something? I couldn't even see well enough. Maybe it was just because I was watching it on my laptop and not on a giant TV or something. Something like, he goes and rushes to her side because she needs, she's in trouble or something, but I she didn't even look like she was that messed up. Right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, she didn't, but I, uh, I'm also, like, I will freely admit that I'm not paying super close attention while I watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of my level of engagement with the show. Um, yeah. So. And, and I didn't even, like, I normally am quite fond of Tim Rosen's performance mm-hmm. and of that actor, but, like, like obviously there, like, this fact that she needs him is very powerful and meaningful to him because he feels yeah. so not needed by Winona and he knows that that should be a good thing, but he feels guilty for wanting to feel needed, you know, they're, they're playing those elements with, with it as well. But I just didn't, it was such a blatant say that again, that you need me. Like it was just over the top and it didn't really work for me this time. And, um, there was some one other thing. Um, oh, the other thing, and I think a contrast to that is I think the performance we get from the actor who plays Ned Lee, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, while that also was way too quick and kind of came out of nowhere, I totally bought his performance of, like, no, I'm done, I'm turning over the, like, I didn't really, you know, like, on paper I don't buy it, but I think the actor sold that way more successfully. I absolutely agree um, that it it comes out of way too much nowhere. And I have like a soft spot for Ned Lee because I really enjoy that performance. Mm-hmm. And I think that character brings a much needed sort of different brand of grumpiness to the show. Yeah. That doesn't otherwise have. He brings and age. Yes, he brings age, which is, I think, really important for the show. And age in a different way from I'm immortal. <laughs> type still of age. like 37. But yeah, and still have all the mentality of a 37-year-old as well. Yeah. yeah. And so that kind of thing, I think, has always been very important for the show, even when you get it in just increasingly small doses as the mm-hmm. show's scaled Nedley back. But like you said, the performance of it helps to elevate it. And I think some of it is there in the writing of him being like, I just go and kill, we deal with weird demonic shit. And then I go and binge watch Pretty Little Liars like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And A, I appreciate the canonicity of Nedley enjoying Pretty Little Liars. And B, I think that that's a really sort of appropriate kind of response for that character of like, mm-hmm. I'm going and watching stupid teen dramas and this is my life. This isn't healthy for me. Mm-hmm. And it's not how I'm wanting to respond to the life that I have left. And I really like that. But again, it comes out of like nowhere. I think that there's elements of this kind of building up from like the vampire showing up. Mm-hmm. But there's not enough attention paid to it and not enough time spent on it uh, to really drive it home. And that was really frustrating for me because there's elements of him like dealing with it, especially when the like county 
guy showed up to like deal with funding for the office mm-hmm. um that there were there were aspects of it but that it's there has been a follow-through on how he's handling being the sheriff of purgatory enough that it felt completely earned but like you said the performance really helps but as a plotting type thing there's just not enough of it for me it just feels very much like they want nicole to be the sheriff yes and that's, that's why what this it is happening is. but yeah. guys She's been there like a year, maybe. That she, she does not have anywhere near the experience she should have to be the sheriff. Also, there are plenty of people who are a deputy their entire careers, and there's uh-huh. nothing wrong with that. It felt like that came out of nowhere. It's like this sense that like we like her, we like yeah. that character, so we want her to have a promotion. So hey. She got promoted to the main credits finally, so she gets promoted on the show too. Yeah, it just it's, it seems very stupid to me. Like, like yeah. just, she can be very, very good at her job and yeah. not be the sheriff, and there's nothing wrong with that. I wouldn't like ever. It wouldn't wouldn't have occurred to me that her having a superior means that she is less of a cop or not as good at her job as Nedley is or anything like like. Not even for a moment. So, like, I don't watch Law and Order and, and and think, oh well, Briscoe. Yeah, I don't really respect him because he's not Cragen. Like, that's that's stupid. So, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm sure that there may, there very likely are plot reasons why they want her to be the sheriff for you know the second half of the season. Um, maybe that's all it is, but it just felt very contrived and. um and I'm sure Nedley is not gone because if they wanted that, they would have killed him spectacularly yeah. <laughs> and likely heroically. Um, but uh, so we'll likely see him back before too long. And th- there's more to come, I would imagine, with Nedley and um, was it Michelle, right? The mom? Yeah. Uh, Michelle. Even if it's just a couple scenes. But yeah. Yeah. The, the, there's I think they're just. There's too much that they're doing and they're not quite balancing where the time needs to go mm-hmm. to, to to really nail all of the beats. So I yeah. like each of the threads for the most part, except for the doc thing, which is stupid. Um, but I don't think that most of these elements have gotten the time that they need. And I also need them to stop having random, uh, f- just totally forgettably handsome white boys show up. Yeah. Because they've done that too many times this season, and uh, there's, like, we <laughs> there are already so many characters, and they're not servicing the characters they have. So stop introducing new ones. They're just there to have chemistry with Winona. And they don't have any chemistry, so well, it's a wash. There's that. <laughs> well, I mean, they have bland, nondescript chemistry. Yeah. Mostly. Which is not, not what I want, so. Yeah, because, you know, Scrifano has chemistry with pretty much everyone. You know. Yeah, it's true. So, you know, that's why. But, like, there there are more interesting ways to spend your time, I think. Yeah. Anyways, I did in, still enjoy most of the episode and the notion of Mama Mama Gibson just, like, going and finding a turkey somewhere and killing it. Like, like yep, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, it does. So, good times. Um, okay, what, one's your, what won your week in TV this week? Can I say guest from The Leftovers since I watched that this week? No. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> it was very good. Yeah. Uh, no, um, I'll give it, sh- I'll, I think I'll give it to Elementary this week. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was it was very solid and consistent but in a light week that was sort of all i was looking for what about you this week oh man none nothing none Uh, of these that's fair yeah sure uh i watched some other stuff what else did i watch i watched some i tried to watch some columbo but it's not on youtube anymore it's not on uh netflix anymore yeah um yeah it came off yeah i don't know okay i have to pick something uh yeah i guess i'll go elementary of these like because one owner i would give it to one owner except i was so irritated by the ending yeah sure but that makes but, sense but i think i'm gonna remember that episode longer than i'll remember the elementary episode yeah sure so i'll give it to them i'll give it to one owner okay okay difficult questions this is what happens when i don't have a million things i need to watch do you have to really ponder these choices important choices no um now we'll take a break speaking of important choices and come back to you discuss the Oh, so, oh, so significant fall TV premiere schedule and what we think of a bunch of shows that I haven't seen yet and that you have seen, but you aren't allowed to talk about. Yep. Yay. (laughs) We'll be right back after this. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Colson, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick, and it is time for our 2018 fall TV preview. And uh, the way we're going to do it this year is we're going to go through each of the... We're just focusing on the networks, because there's... Who knows what's going on with cable? There's too many shows, and it's too hard to keep track of what counts as fall. So we're just doing the network pilot, or premiere season. Uh, So we're going to go by network and talk about the different new shows, and uh, maybe mention some of the mid-season ones as well, and uh, then if we can, we'll give our opinions on it, and if we can't, we will move right along. So, Noel, why don't you kick things off with ABC, because you've actually seen some of these, uh, but you aren't allowed to say what you think. So why don't you tell us what they're about? Right. No, no problem. So uh, first up, uh, premiering first is A Million Little Things, which will premiere on uh, September 26th. Uh, This is, um, has, let's see, it's got um, Ron Livingston, Romain Yamako. Grace Park's going to join following the pilot. She replaced um, someone else um, that shot the pilot. Um, and a couple of other actors uh, that deals with a group of friends who um, realize that they're, they need to start doing more with their lives, basically, after one of them commits suicide. And so the show in and of itself feels very driven by a desire for ABC to have something along the lines of This Is Us, um, sort of a uh, tearjerker-esque melodrama. And... Um, who else was... In- oh, James Roday is also in this. That's the other person I wanted to mention. Oh, and David and- Gentoli from... Yes, and David Gentoli. 
Yes, that's where he's from. Thank you. It was driving me nuts. (laughs) I was just like, I know who that is. And uh, so it's very adult driven. It's very affluence driven to allow them to have time to explore emotions and that kind of stuff. Um, Or at least that's what it seems like based on the trailers. And um, that's basically it is like the interplay between these uh, friends and their significant others plus their individual sort of issues that come into play as well, will all be a part of this new look on life that they have um, as a result of one of their friend's suicide. Mm -hmm. So um, this one, and and again, listeners, play along at home as we're discussing these shows. Uh, Which shows... Uh, have large ensemble casts with a bunch of characters and their spouses. So most of the time, a rather even gender breakdown, and yet they only feel the need to tell us who all the male actors are. This is one example. Um, yeah. But uh, the I like this cast, but I learned a long time ago that a good cast is not a good enough reason to like a show. I might check in uh, on this one. I You know I'm good for a melodrama. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, I don't have a lot of space in my life for, uh, for rich people problems. So if there's some actual, like, if, if, if this is a cast that can execute stuff, but I also, you know, like, yes, I'm sure he wants to stretch, but I just, I would rather watch more psych, you know, and, and, like if I'm going to see James Roday and things, I want him to be funny because he's funny. And you know, and maybe he can do it. Like I, I was impressed with uh, Giantoli on Grimm. Over eventually, I thought he really grew over the course of that show. And Grace Park, same thing on Battlestar. But the most interesting cast member on this for me is is Romany Malco. Livingston is always very reliable, but yes. um, but I don't um, I don't, I'm not seeing that like hook that I need to get in to to to, to seek this one out. Um, I mean, like, I feel like I could always just catch up with This Is Us and then I'd be part of the This Is Us conversation (laughs) is sort of how I feel about that. Yeah. But, but, you know, it could, you know, again, like I said, there's a talented cast here. If they can take advantage of them, maybe this would work. Yeah, maybe. We can, we'll find out. We'll find Um, out. Yeah. Yeah. Also premiering on the 26th of September is a single camp sitcom called Single Parents. This is Taryn, Taryn Killam, uh, Kimmy Lewis, Brad Garrett, um, and Leighton Meester as um, single parents that all have their kids within the same like uh, pre-K or kindergarten class. And the trials and tribulations therein of these 30-somethings who are attempting to parent by themselves. That's that's the extent of it. Each character <laughs> has like a different sort of approach to it. Uh, Brad Garrett's character is like a really well-to-do guy. Uh, he's got twins. Um, Taron Killam's character is sort of like fresh out of, not fresh out of being in a relationship, but he's very deep into single parenthood, mm-hmm. really, really deep. And everyone else is trying to get him back into being an adult, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the general sort of premise is to try to extricate his character away from just being a parent and living a life, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the show. Yeah, and I think, like, there's a pro and a con here. I feel like I already have seen this show, just from hearing the description of it. And I don't feel like I need to watch it. <laughs> but yeah. the positive is I know what the show is. And there's a show yeah. there. So yeah. 
it's not of interest to me, but there are likely people to whom it is of interest and it speaks to their experience. And it's more interesting than like, let's all go hang out at the bar though. I'm sure that there are plenty of those scenes, but like, at least there's some reason that these very different people are spending time together. And, uh, I'm not looking for a one for one. This is the cool parent. This is the over helicopter parent. This is the, which is, I'm sure something that they, this kind of show is likely to go towards. Um, but I mean, I, I enjoy Taron Killam. I yeah. enjoy Leighton Meester. I want more yeah, Leighton Meester a, on my TV. It's a good cast. It's a good cast. So we'll see. I'm not seeing yeah. again. That's not not particularly enthused by this one. Um, so both of these next shows on ABC drop on 1016. Uh, the first is The Kids Are Alright, which is another single camp sitcom. This is from Tim Doyle, who has been around for decades. Uh, he has, uh, produced, written, and showrun a number of sitcoms over the, over basically since like the 90s or so, and normally comes into basically kind of fix shows. Uh, so this is a show that he created. And is ostensibly autobiographical based on the fact that Doyle is also narrating it um, from one of the characters' perspectives. Um, But this deals with a family of Roman Catholics in 1973 in a Los Angeles suburb. Uh, Michael Cudlitz plays the dad. Mary McCormick plays the mom. And then there's eight kids of varying ages who are uh, all the boys in the family. Mm -hmm. And... That is the thing of like a cultural clash sort of thing as a couple of the older kids are kind of like going, "Eh, maybe this Nixon guy isn't exactly right for us type (laughs) of stuff. And that's basically what's happening with uh, the kids are all right is that we've got a sort of Wonder Years-esque sort of show, but with Roman Catholics instead of, I think, wasps Mm -hmm. or yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. As someone who grew up Catholic... As a strong yeah. ba- Catholic background, I am not interested in this. Uh, so it should speak more directly to me. I'm a little young for it to sp- that time period to speak to me. But, I, you know, I think that just eight kids is too many kids because you can't possibly follow them all and get invested in them all is my sense. But I haven't seen it. So maybe they pull that off. And Are, are any of them twins? I think one of them. I think there are. There's a, a pair set of twins. of twins. Okay, that maybe makes sense. Yeah. That helps. But um, I think I may be wrong. There's one that's basically just an infant. Yeah, so. and again, that's that again. You, that kind of doesn't count. And then so you got like six yeah. age ranges. Okay, and a, yeah. and baby. Um, my main thought on this is, Cudless is getting network t- network TV money. So yay! Yeah. And also Mary yeah. McCormick. But I'm not too worried about her because she had her own show for like eight years. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, yay for Cudless, yay for Mary McCormick. I probably won't watch this. Yeah, I that I think that's perfectly fair. Yeah. Um. So closing out ABC's fall new fall shows is The Rookie, which uh, features most prominently. Nathan Villian as a small town sort of um, con- construction worker slash maybe kind of slightly trained as an architect um, type of guy who, upon uh, witnessing something in his small town, decides to become a member of the Los Angeles Police Department. And he's basically the oldest rookie to ever join the LAPD. This is inspired in part by a true story. And he's about 40 years old. Um Fillion, for reference, is 47 in real life Mm -hmm. and um, looks every bit of it. (laughs) And (laughs) that's basically it. This is a kind of fish out of the water as he sort of navigates the fact that 
uh, trading officers are pains in the neck. The politics of his precinct are being what they are of that kind of stuff. This is what the show is. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. If they play into Fillion's likability. Sure. This could work. I would check, could check it out. Um, I certainly have space in my viewing for a procedural that has some some charm and that has some some just affability and the case of the week. I certainly have space for a case of the week. There aren't enough case of the week shows for me right now that I can watch. Um, that or I mean that I'm willing to watch. Let's be honest. Um, so so maybe. But if it tries to do like tries to go more serious that's gonna be trouble for me and i've had like it's not this is not on fillion but like the promo art that i've been seeing has been really unfortunately photoshopped to try to make him look younger than he is it's so bad he looks younger than 40 in those he looks like friggin firefly age and that is not correct well he doesn't like he looks like someone's trying to make him look firefly aged which is very strange and if you're gonna make the character be 40 just make the character be 45 we don't care that seems very strange um so yeah that's sort of where i'm at for this fillion goes a long way but uh, he needs some other things with him to, to make it appointment viewing for me so we'll see yeah that makes sense. So, um, so the mid-season shows, uh, there's Grand Hotel, which is, uh, like an upstairs-downstairs, uh, at a, at a family-run hotel in Miami Beach. That's very, going, much going for a soap kind of thing. Then there's The Fix, which is, uh, like, sort of, uh, uh, O.J. Simpson, Marsha Clark kind of trial, uh, with a good cast, but, um, Marsh Clark did co-create the show. Um, so that's coming in, in mid-season. There's Schooled, which is the spinoff to the Goldbergs, and there's Whiskey Cavalier, which is the Scott Foley, Lauren Cohen, um, like, spies, saving the world kind of show. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith sort of deal. Yeah, yeah. So, like, he's CIA, she's FBI, or vice versa, something like that. Um, so those are all coming at mid-season. Um, we will have thoughts on those closer to mid-season. Let's move on to CBS, and, uh, actually, you know, let's go to NBC, because I can talk a little bit about NBC, because I've actually seen some of these. Okay. Um, so they have three new shows this fall, which, actually, you know, I should they have Manifest, which premieres on September 24th, uh, New Amsterdam, which premieres on September 25th, the next day, and then I Feel Bad, which premieres on October 4th. Um, so I've seen the first episode for Manifest and I Feel Bad, and I will get to New Amsterdam. Um, Manifest is, uh, that's the show about the plane. I talked about it in their Comic-Con preview. Um, there's a plane takes off in 2013 and it lands, it goes through some turbulence, lands in 2018. And nobody on the plane has aged, aged a day. Um, but of course the rest of the world has gone on. Um, so there's, there's just, you know, there's, you're introduced through some really Rather unfortunate voiceover. Um, just like, guys, don't do voiceover in your pilot. It's not a good idea. Um, but anyways, to a family that, like, half of them are, they're coming back from vacation and, and half of them take the optional, like, we'll give you 400 bucks to take the next flight thing. And so half of them land in 2013 and half of them land in 2018. And so then drama. You know, um, and then there's some spooky, potentially like mystical or sci-fi stuff going on with people who've landed, hearing voices, they're telling you to do stuff. 
but it's their own voice and, you know, what's going to happen? And is it good or is it bad? What's going on? Who knows? Is it coincidence who was on the plane and who wasn't? Because it seems to be interconnected. So there's some losty kind of stuff going on here. Um, yeah, the cast, this has the one that the cast member that I think people are most familiar with is Josh Dallas from Once Upon a Time. He's the male lead of the show. But there's there's uh, several recognizable faces. Um, any thoughts on Manifest? Absolutely none. I'm not even remotely interested in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it wasn't great. There's some, I mean, the, the big thing that for me I kept thinking of is, is that the writing for these characters who there's too much discussion of the characters, you know, getting a second chance at life when that's not how they should be thinking at all. Because to them, they never lost their first chance at life and the whole rest of the world is off, but they're still them. And so when you have these characters who had five years of existence taken from them, talking about, well, you know, I don't know why I came back. It's like, you didn't go anywhere. <laughs> so why are you talking about you coming back when you didn't go anywhere in your perspective? Uh, so there's just some lack of awareness in, in how the character should be thinking. That is not a good sign. Um, but there's some potential for if you're looking for like a potentially um, spooky kind of genre show. Some of these shows take a you know a little bit to find their feet. There is some elements of the cast here that are that are very good. There's some potential, but um certainly it's not a particularly strong pilot. Um you know I, I have time in my life for this kind of a show. If it's done well, I'll probably give it a couple more episodes. But uh yeah it doesn't they didn't do a they did some of the work on getting us invested in the characters um but not enough to really hook us in. I think people watch the last pilot and just consistently learn the wrong lesson. And the right lesson is make us invested in the characters. And the wrong lesson is, ooh, spooky numbers. Right? So, um, yeah, that's manifest. More on that if I watch more. Uh, New Amsterdam is the one I didn't get to. This is a earnest medical drama. This is there's a new doctor in town and can he shake up the establishment and help save patients? And it's the kind of hospital where everybody from politicians to prisoners from Rikers get taken to. And, uh, it's a very, um, yeah, they're looking, I mean, look, it's a, it's a medical drama, decent cast. Um, uh, the, the lead, I should know the lead, but his name isn't coming to me right now, but it's a recognizable face. Uh, any thoughts on new Amsterdam or do you need a new medical drama in your life? I do not. So I'm no, the trailers for this just made me feel very kind of indifferent. So uh -huh. I'm like, meh. Fair enough. Um, the, the last one for NBC is I feel bad, which is told again, first person narration. Maybe that's, they're going for like a blackish thing, but, um, for, I don't, I don't, I, it, I don't care about the first person. I just never like it. Um, this is, the main character, the point of view character, though, is is a uh, Indian American woman. Sarayu Rao plays the the lead, and she is married to Paul Adelstein, and they have uh, two kids, three kids. They have three kids. One's a baby, and um, and the her parents are very involved. People will know. I may have seen the the mother and some other things, but they will know the father as Babu from Seinfeld. Um, but, um, 
it, she's an artist at a video game company, and she talks about feeling always feeling guilty. Every day she's going to feel bad about something. And uh, there's some interesting threads about gender and uh, and uh, hating and judging yourself and, and from a distinctly female point of view in here that could grow into something. There's uh, the first episode deals with the the daughter quit the debate team and is joining the dance team. And uh, you can guess what kind of dancing these preteens are doing and how the parents and others react. Um, so I think there's there's potential here. I didn't really enjoy the first episode this comes from among other people uh amy poehler is one of the producers um so it's been getting a big push lots of ads for this one um and i do think that there are some bones here adelstein is not great in some scenes but really good in other scenes so it you know, it could become something but it's gonna take a little bit to find its feet i think that that would make sense i'm actually sort of just interested in this one from like just in general, I think. Yeah. Um, hopefully, like a unique voice, um, maybe eventually, but we'll see. Yeah. So, yeah, how to be like, like the first episode is she's worried she's becoming her mom, and that's the context for that. That, and then you, you know, other th- threads go through there. But um, yeah, it was, it wasn't. I didn't laugh, but like you, you're, you know, those things where you've seen enough comedy pilots, you're like, okay, that could become something. That could become something. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. really unfortunately predictable the actor is way better than the materials they're giving her that's the the mother character um but you know we'll see we'll see i've seen way worse comedy pilots i still remember that man up okay uh let's go over to cbs right so on 924 the magnum pi remake begins you discussed that from the san diego comic-con because you watched that pilot it is bad i don't they didn't tell us we couldn't talk about it after (laughs) comic-con it's not good so that's there. Uh, 925 is FBI, uh, which is like Dick Wolf's first non-NBC sitcom in like 15 years. It follows the trials and tribulations of a FBI agent played by Missy Peregrim, um in New York City. Uh, Jeremy Sisto plays basically sort of like the supervisor. And Celia Ward joins the cast after, I think, the pilot. Um, Connie Nielsen uh, has a role in the pilot that I believe has since been written out. And she's no longer on the show. And so think about Dick Wolf. Think about Dick Wolf running a FBI show. And for CBS. For CBS. Yeah. And you've, you have a show uh, that I cannot give you my opinion about. Um. <laughs> okay. I like Mary- Missy Peregrine. I like the cast. Uh, you yeah. know, I have a sp- space in my heart for Dick Wolf shows. Uh, in the Law and Order vein, I haven't really caught into the se- the the Chicago ones though. And this feels more Chicago than Law and Order, so probably I'm not gonna I'm gonna stay away from this one. Sure. And you can't I, have an opinion. I can't next. have an opinion. So <laughs> next is uh, God Friended Me, which C- which is actually going to drop very soon. Uh, CBS is making this available early. Um, they're betting, I think, pretty heavily on this. Um, features Brendan Michael Hall from The Mayor, who was fabulous on that show, as Miles Finer, um, who plays an atheist podcaster who gets friended by God on Facebook. And God, through Facebook, directs him to help people. Um, he teams up eventually with uh, Violet Bean, who you may remember from The Flash. She played Jesse Quick. Uh, getting that good CBS network money now. <laughs> and uh, she's a reporter that um, helps him with 
that uh, for like a website or something. And um, it seems like a very sort of CBS show in the early edition sort of vein. That's what I was going to say. I liked it when it was early edition. I probably yeah. would rant, would like it if I have time for it now. Yeah. Yeah, so um, you can actually sample that probably like um, by Saturday or Sunday. CBS is making it available on a number of platforms, including like YouTube. They've been pushing uh, this... it a lot. Lots of ads for yeah. this one. Yeah, so that starts on uh, September 30th. Um, and then there are two new sitcoms start on the 1st of October. Uh, the first of which is Happy Together, which has Amber Stephen and West, who we love from uh, The Carmichael Show, has Damon Wayans Jr., and they play a 30-something couple that feel that are feel like they're too old in their very mundane lives. And he happens to be the accountant for basically like a Harry Styles-esque pop star ah, played by Felix this is Mallard. based on true. Yeah. A little bit. This is based on the actual experiences of someone who lived with the pop. Yeah. One of the, like, Zane yes. Malik or something like that? Yeah, no, Harry Styles is one of the executive producers. Ah, it. okay, yeah. Yeah, um, which should tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> okay. um, and so uh, Damon Wayans Jr. is his accountant, and to sort of reconnect or to learn what life actually is, he starts to live with these two uh, African-American, he lives with this African-American couple. Mm-hmm. And the hijinks ensue, I guess. <laughs> um, Tim Meadows appears in the pilot that is available on CBS, but those scenes are being reshot since Tim Meadows had a prior commitment to school. So Victor Williams has been cast to, re- to replace Tim Meadows and those scenes are allegedly being reshot. So those will be, you'll see Victor Williams in the pilot that actually airs and not Tim Meadows. Fair enough. Okay. Are you interested in this? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like even for this cast. No, which is yeah. saying a lot. Yeah. But I'm glad, so, again, I'm glad they're getting money. Yeah, basically. And so The Neighborhood follows uh, Max Greenfield and Beth Bears moving into historically uh, black Los Angeles neighborhood, uh, where sort of the elder on the block is played by Cedric the Entertainer, and racial humor proceeds from there. Uh, they move in next door to one another, and that is the extent of what I can tell you about this. And I, you know what I can tell you about this? Yeah. I'm not watching it. I have yeah. no. The ads do not look good. I no. And listeners, if you watch it and it turns out to be good, let me know. But I'm not optimistic from those ads. Um, over on Fox, we have the cool. Oh, so first we have Rel, which is premiering on September 9th. So that one's coming up real real soon. And all I know about this is Lil Ray uh, Howry is the star, and I'm very glad that he has parlayed the Carmichael Show and Get Out. Into having his own show and insecure, Don't and insecure, really good on insecure, very good insecure. Yes, thank you. Um, no, he plays like a reverend whose wife leaves him or um, something like that, and has to like start over, sort of. I think he's very, you know, boastful in the way that the kind of character that we see Lil Ray Howry yeah. play many times very well. Um, that he's, you know, very proud of himself, big talker, and then he finds out that his wife is having an affair with his barber, and so they get divorced, and he's... He, in, yeah, and Sinbad plays his dad, and he's yeah. the priest. He's the reverend, He's the reverend, yeah. So, and there, so there's some talented people here. I'm not mm, super interested but you know just for the cast it's worth probably i'll I'll probably worth check it out um the other one very strange the oh, cool kids i don't know what's happening here uh this is this is um premiering on september 28th and this is basically uh 
three uh, old guys are the cool kids at a retirement. Three characters are the cool guys at the retirement community until there's a hot new person there. It was the lady. So three guys and one lady. So remember what I was saying about the gender stuff? Anyways, this has Martin Mull, David Allen Greer, and Leslie Jordan, and then Vicki Lawrence is the, the new person. Uh, so, the, like, the description sells it as high school with 70-somethings. Um, these are very funny people. They're incredibly talented funny people. I don't have any faith that they're funny no. scripts. Even nope. though this comes from the Always Sunny guys. Yes. But this sounds not good. Yeah. But yay, sounds... these talented people are getting money. Yeah, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Okay, let's move over and wrap things up with the CW. So uh, I already talked about the Charmed uh, the, the Charmed reboot, which is premiering on October 14th. Before that, though, we have All-American on October 10th. Do you know what this is? Yes, I've actually watched this. And of the pilots I've watched, this is the most fine pilot Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what happens here is that a, uh, football player in high school from South Los Angeles is recruited to play for the elite Beverly Hills High. Um, so imagine basically, if you will, the OC mixed with race and football, and you basically have all American because in part, um, by the end of the pilot, um, Spencer, who's the main character, has to move in and live with Tay Diggs' character, who's the coach of the team, because he's technically out of district slash recruited to mm-hmm. play for the team. So they have to, like, finagle him into the, um, into the district. And so it's sort of like got that OC mix with a kid from the wrong side of the tracks with all these wealthy kids, plus race, plus football. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting elements here, not least of which is Tay Diggs' performance, but also Breezy's performance. Uh, she plays a character um, who's best friends with Spencer's uh, Spencer and is embroiled in the South Los Angeles gang scene. Um, her performance is really good. Um Date Diggs is really good as well, um, but it's it's very it feels very straightforward for CW. There's no twist, there's no supernatural element, there's no genre bent self awareness type stuff happening here at all. But there's sort of an honesty to a number of things here, even though it's very cliche by this point. So I think that there's something here, um, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Um, the Legacies is the spinoff of the originals, which has uh, follows Hope, uh, Michelson, and has Alaric. Um, I will not be watching it. I did not watch the originals, but if you're going to have a spinoff, it makes sense that they've got Alaric on it. Um, any thoughts on that? No. No, they don't have a tr- screener for that one. Did you have any thoughts on the Charmed pilots? It was super duper broad, and... yeah. Not particularly compelling. Um, those crows were really fat. The CGI crows were very, very fat. But it was very, very broad. Um, the intentions of it, of sort of like a overtly sort of feminist show, ends up feeling kind of cute in a way, which is weird. Um, so we'll, I'm not compelled to watch more of this, but if mm-hmm. someone else is, just let me know how it goes. Okay, will do. 
Uh, this might be one that I, that I watched just to be able to talk about it with my sister. We will see. Um, but that wraps up our fall TV preview. So listeners, if there's a mid-season show you're interested in, um, or if you are, think we've got a bad read on one of these early shows, let us know. And we will, at least I will tune in and, and see if, if our preconceptions are, are matched or we are indeed completely wrong, which is, uh, I, it's not the first time this year I will be very wrong about a show if that happens. Um, there's a few show notes here. You can find a post this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can like our post over on Facebook, start up a conversation there. You can find us in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We're also in Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. Helps people find the show. Let's us know that actually sometimes people are listening, which doesn't feel like it, but there are. You guys are there. Uh, we like to hear from you. Uh, then, you, of course, you can also uh, find us on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse and Noel, you are? at Noel RK. Thank you, Kate, for a really good week. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. 